0: today, let me invite your attention again to Acts chapter 8. You asked for it, Gospel Conversations. I pray for us, that for those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, we will never get over being saved. I mean, we were lost. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. He saved us. He forgave us. He's given us eternal life. We'll never be lost again. We will spend eternity in heaven with him. You and I should never get over that. Uh, because of his grace and his love. I was ministering one Wednesday night with a church. and The pastor, great guy, loved the Lord Jesus, was an effective preacher and pastor. And during the service, he's talking to the congregation before I come up and minister. And he says to the congregation, the Holy Spirit is leading me to do something that I've never done before. And again, we're all sitting on the edge of our seats at that point. And he said, the Holy Spirit is leading me to sing a solo, a song. Now, rest, the Holy is not leading me to sing a song this morning, so you can take it easy on that. But, but he was sensing the Holy Spirit was leading him to do that. And then I'm thinking, well, does he have a good voice or not? And uh, th- just to say it like this, he could make a joyful noise to the Lord. He could do that. But what inspired me was that he was willing to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, even though he was not a singer. He just sensed the Holy Spirit leading him to sing this song solo, and he did so. He obeyed the Lord. Here's what I know about gospel conversations. Those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you and me to turn an everyday conversation into a gospel conversation with people whom we are around. Now the question is, do we obey or disobey the Holy Spirit's leadership? And then the question is, if we disobey, what excuses do we give to say, Lord, I could never do that? I could never engage a family member. I could never engage somebody in the workplace. I could never engage a classmate at school or someone in a neighborhood. I could never engage that person in a gospel conversation. Why do we say that? As Southern Baptists, we're connected with many, many thousands of churches and there's an emphasis in our convention entitled, Who's Your One? I'm not talking about 10 people. If God gives you 10, praise the Lord for that. But who is one person in your life? You could put a name and a face to that one person who needs a relationship with Christ. If his or her life ended today, he or she would spend eternity separated from the Lord Jesus forever and forever and forever. Family member, friend, neighbor, co-worker classmate someone you've met in the city somewhere who is that one person the late dr adrian rogers one of the prince of preachers that we know in our generation used to ask these two questions when's the last time you led someone to christ and how many of us would say never or how many of us would say it's been a long time and then he would follow that up with a second question to say this so first one when's the last time you led someone to christ second question when's the last time you tried if you and I are going to be engaged in gospel conversations, you, you want to write these three words down. They're not only the outline, but they're going to be important because when you're engaged in gospel conversations, on one hand, there's going to be those who plant. You're going to sow seeds. You're going to plant seeds in the lives of people. Second, those who water, you're going to water those seeds. Third, those who harvest, you're going to reap a harvest. The Holy Spirit's going to change a person's life. And so when you are planting seeds, you're watering seeds, or you're reaping a harvest, you're engaged in gospel ministry, gospel conversations. There are many times in a Christian life, I'll engage someone in a gospel conversation. I'll share Christ. I'll share the gospel. I'll pour up my heart to a person. He or she will not get saved at that moment. So I'm planting seeds or watering seeds. And then Monday... 3 57 in the afternoon, someone comes into my office again, Elizabeth, as you were able to see today and here opportunity sharing the gospel, talking about a relationship to Christ. And then she turns from her sin and puts her trust in Christ. And she is saved. I get to reap a harvest, but many other people have planted seeds and watered seeds. We're all doing the work of gospel ministry and gospel conversations. So God wants to use you. If you're planting seeds or watering seeds or reaping a harvest, God wants to use you. Now, how many in here today like eating at Chick-fil-A? You you like eating there. You can go there and eat the Lord's chicken. You can't go there and eat the Lord's chicken today, but you can tomorrow. But we like eating at Chick-fil-A. Every year, Chick-fil-A comes out with a list, and many of us are list people. They come up with a list to say, here are our top menu items every single year. And they, they really don't change very much. In 2021, number three on the list was Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Just a basic chicken sandwich. Number two on the list, I really didn't understand, but their top menu item was soft drinks. I wouldn't have thought that, but that was number two. Anybody know what number one is? Waffle fries. How many of you say amen to that? You like it. So so every single year, you can go back and look year after year after year. Number one on the list will be waffle fries pretty much every year. That's their list. But now again, if I ask you, and on your list you just had one blank on it, one, one place to write a name on it, who would be on your list needs a relationship with Jesus in life? Who is that person? And can you think of a family member? Can you think of a friend? Somebody, again, in your workplace, somebody you're in school with, somebody in your neighborhood, someone you've met at a restaurant, another place in life. Who is one person you can identify right now who needs a relationship with the Son of God and Savior of the world, Jesus Christ? Who is that? As we look in God's Word, I to invite your attention to Acts chapter 8. We're going to be introduced to someone today by the name of Philip. And Philip is an incredible servant of Christ, and when you look at Philip's life in the Bible, we really see four different Philips in Scripture, but we're talking about the one today. Many people describe him as Philip the evangelist. Other people describe him as Philip the deacon, but we see Philip, he had this passion in his life to share Jesus everywhere that he went. I want to give you some insights about Philip's life to kind of set the stage because he he was an evangelist, but he was also a deacon. Here's what we know about Philip. He was saved. We know this, that the grace of God changed Philip's life. This morning, I hope you can share a testimony that the grace of God has changed your life in Jesus Christ. If you've never been saved, I pray this is the day that eternity changes for you and you give your life to Jesus and he radically and wonderfully saves you today. But Philip was someone who was saved. We also know this about his life. He was a deacon. The early church selected their deacons well. So he was a deacon. He was someone who was a servant. He was not ruling over anyone. He was a servant to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve the church. So he was a faithful deacon. He was a faithful servant. He was an evangelist. We also know this about him, that he served with the Holy Spirit's power and wisdom. Philip never tried to do evangelism on his own. He relied on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power and then you're going to be my witnesses. That was Philip's lifestyle, but he has the wisdom of God to know exactly when to speak about Jesus in life. Philip also served even in Samaria. Not an easy place to serve, but Philip, in obedience to the Lord's leadership, goes there and he sees God do incredible things. A major move of God was happening in Samaria. And we also know this about Philip, not only that, but he also knew something about persecution. He knew what it was like to be persecuted, to try to be hindered, to be silent about the gospel, but he overcame that. But also, Philip was a soul winner. Everywhere Philip went, every conversation he found himself in, he may be talking about the weather, he may be talking about some local place to eat, but somewhere he's going to transition an everyday conversation into a gospel conversation. When you read Acts chapter 8, everywhere Philip was led by the Spirit to go, he was sharing the good news about Jesus with other people. Can that be said about you or me? And as you and I think about Philip's life, here he is in Samaria, sharing the gospel, people are getting saved, lives are being changed, people are being healed, God is moving, revival is happening. Do we need to see revival in our day? Absolutely we do. And if we're gonna see revival, then we need to be start talking about Jesus in life. He's the one who moves. So let's walk through this text here today as we think about gospel conversations that I want to draw some attention to as we walk through this. Number one, our lives matter to God. Now I want to take just a moment here and look at people in the room and even those who are watching somewhere around the world. I want you to understand this. When I say this, saving our lives matter to God, I want you to lean in. I want you to hear this because this is a great truth when you think about the life of Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch. When you think about your life, you and your life, you matter to our Heavenly Father. He loves you. He created you. He wants you to know him. He wants to give you purpose. You and your life matter to God. doesn't make any difference how many mistakes you made, how many sins you made. He loves you and gave his life for you, and you matter to him. Now, as you understand that, here's what also I know. God knows you better than you know yourself. And here's what I know about the Heavenly Father. He knows your pains and struggles in your life. He knows how many people in this room and how many people watching laid awake all night last night because you have a heavy heart about something in your life. And he knows the spiritual condition of your heart better than you know. God knows all things. And we know this, that God created us to have a relationship with him, not so that we would be comfortable, but so that we would be like Jesus in life. And so I ask you today, are you being conformed to the likeness of Jesus in your life? Are you growing in the likeness of your Savior and Lord? And so when you look at Philip, Philip was growing in the likeness of Christ. Philip was a worshiper. And you say, what does worship mean? We're going to do a series coming up on what worship is. I believe biblical worship is a heart transplant. We come before God with our hearts and we leave the presence of God in that time of worship with his heart. And so I hope today when you leave, you leave with the heart of God and you leave with the heart of God. Why? Because he wants to save people around you. He gave his son for those people. And that we would leave with his heart to say, Jesus, help me to know how I can be used of you to share the good news with other people around me. So, one, our lives matter to God. Now, look at this. Number one, God reveals. As you look at Philip, God was revealing his will to Philip. And the Vangelist and the deacon, God was using him. God was positioning his life and revealing his will. Now, how did he do that? I want to give you these insights. Number one, he did it by circumstances. What was the circumstance? It was persecution. And Saul approved of his execution, chapter 8. And there arose that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Philip was scattered. And so God used persecution to scatter him, and to get him to a place in Samaria where he was going to have gospel conversations. God used circumstances to get Philip where he needed to be. second was an angel. We see as I read in chapter 8, verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, It was a messenger of God, but God used circumstances. God used a messenger to get Philip from where he was at to where he needed to be. Number three, spirit. He used the Holy Spirit. We see in this passage in verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip. The Spirit was giving direction to Philip in life. And then number four was an Ethiopian. It was an Ethiopian eunuch. Now he said to him, how can I unless someone guides me? And then he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in his chariot. And so whether it was through circumstances or the Spirit... Whether it was through an angel, a messenger, or this Ethiopian eunuch, God was revealing his will to Philip to get him at the right place at the right time. How is God revealing his will to you? Oftentimes what we do in life, okay, God, what do you want me to do? It's almost like we take a daisy flower and we, God wants me to do this, God doesn't want me to do this. God wants me to do this, he doesn't want me to do this. And then we come at the end and we have one pedal left and we say well God must want me to do this or God must not want me to do this Uh, sometimes we even bring out this old eight ball type thing you remember those You shake it up and you've got a question. You see what it says. Well, this is not going to be good news or this is is good news for you. So we're trying to discern the will of God or at times we even come in life and we just take the word of God. God, what do you want me to do? We just close our eyes. We open and point to a verse and say, that must be what God wants me to do. Be extremely careful about the open and point method to discover the will of God. As you see with the Philippine, the Ethiopian, what will he do? He will use circumstances. He will use his Holy Spirit. He will use messengers, people in your life. He will also even use an Ethiopian, someone who's asking questions to get you at the right place at the right time. So you can do God's will and you can have gospel conversations. Look at number two, we respond. As we understand what happens in this context, then we respond. And what do we respond? Well, we're asking here. We're asking to say, God, what are you asking me to do? God, what are you leading me to do? And God, what are you calling me to do? Then we respond. Look at this text. What does it say? When the Spirit said to him in verse 26, now go south, go down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And it says, he rose and went. He did what God asked him to do. He didn't have all the insights. He didn't have all the directions. He didn't know every detail, but he obeyed and went. This is what God's asking me to do. I'm just going to encourage you. If you're going to have gospel conversations, you've got to be ready. You've got to follow the will and the leadership of Almighty God. But also, you've got to be ready to say, God, if you lead me, I'll I'll obey you. Even if I don't have all the details, I'm going to live by faith and not by sight. Because sometimes God is going to lead you to do something that just does not make human sense. I mean, Philip was experiencing a revival in Samaria. Lives were being saved. People were being healed. Miracles were happening. The Bible says the place was rejoicing. And then all of a sudden one day, Philip gets a message saying, I want you to leave here and go down the road. that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a desert place, but I'm going to lead you in that direction. It did not make human sense. Philip was going to obey the leadership of Christ. Here's an example of that. pastor goes to a church, they're running 300 on Sunday mornings. The Holy Spirit moves in his life and the lives of people in that church, and all of a sudden one day they start growing and growing and growing, then they start running 3,000 in worship on Sunday mornings. And then all of a sudden the pastor stands before the people of God and says, the Holy Spirit's moving in my life and God's calling me to leave here and he's calling me to go to a church that's running 30 people right now. You look in there and say, it makes no human sense whatsoever. That's an example of what happened in Philip's life. Sent him there, God was moving, lives are being changed and then the Spirit said, I want you to leave here, I want you to get on a desert road, goes down to Gaza because I'm going to use you as you obey me. God reveals, We respond. And we obey his will, his leadership and direction. But our lives matter to God. Look at number two. Our obedience matters to God. So I ask you again, how is the Heavenly Father leading you? What is he asking you to do? Is he stretching you in the Christian life? Is he making your spiritual life uncomfortable? If so, that's a good thing because he's growing you. He's developing you. He's maturing you. How is God leading you in life? I want to give you these insights here that you need to realize. If you're going to turn everyday conversations into gospel conversations, here's how. Number one, personal questions. Uh, Philip is moving along. As the Spirit says, he rose and went. There was this Ethiopian eunuch, a court official, Candace, Queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all their treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, he was seated in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Someone gave him a copy of the prophet Isaiah. Again, someone had planted some seeds, someone had watered some seeds. He's in his chariot reading the prophet Isaiah and so the Spirit is going to lead Philip to go to that chariot and then Philip is going to hear him reading, going to ask him a question and then this Ethiopian asks a question, who is this person talking about, himself or someone else? When you engage people in gospel conversations, it's wonderful to ask them questions. You know why? Because they're asking questions in life. They're looking for spiritual answers to life questions. I'll give you some example. You'll meet somebody in a restaurant. You'll meet a family member, somebody in your workplace, someone in your school. You're going to meet someone, and here's what they're saying. What is my purpose in life? Do you realize from the word of God when someone asks you that question, you've got the answer. You can help them know Christ. You can help them find the will of God. And you can help them to discover the purpose of God for his or her life. But you're going to meet people who are asking this question, how can our marriage find reconciliation and forgiveness? There are many couples out there. Life is not going well for them in marriage. They're asking questions. Can we experience a new day? You've got the answers from the word of God how they can. You're going to be around people who are asking this. How can a broken relationship that I have be mended, reconciled, restored? Can I ever forgive that person who wounded me? You've got the answer to that question from the Word of God. As you've been forgiven in Christ, you are to forgive others. You've got the answer to that. You're going to be around people who are going to ask this. How can I overcome the temptations that never seem to go away in life? There are people asking that question. You've got the answer. How did Jesus handle temptations? You're going to be around people who are asking, how can I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven? They're asking that question. We had a gospel conversation with a young girl in our city on Friday morning who is not clear about going to heaven. Happened about 7 a.m. in the morning. Just an everyday conversation, turned into a gospel conversation, asking the question about heaven. Will I go to heaven or not? You've got the answer to that based upon the word of God. There are people who are asking questions. And are you prepared to answer them from God's word? Not just our ideas, not just our opinions, but here's what the word of God says. Number two, God's voice as you look at this again Philip goes over to this chariot the spirit said to Philip the spirit was speaking into Philip's life and Philip was in touch with God in a sense he heard the spirit speaking into his life and he goes over to the chariot next to it how many of us have a difficult time hearing the voice of God in life you know why? because many times we have so many other voices speaking into us We've got television glaring at us. We've got social media platforms that we're so addicted to. We've got so many voices and other ways who are speaking into our lives. But there are times we have a difficult time hearing God because we're hearing so many other voices. Somewhere you've got to limit them and stay in touch with what God's saying to you and me. God, what are you saying to me in life? How do you want to use me? What are you saying in the relationship to my relationship with this person, God? What are you saying? Because I want to hear your voice. He is speaking to you and me. Then number three, obedient decisions. Somewhere when you ask questions, God's voice speaks into your life. Somewhere you've got to obey obedient decisions. Look at this text. The Bible says... And what did Philip do? The Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? When's the last time you ran to obey God's leadership? I mean, you you didn't try to negotiate with God. You didn't try to work out a deal with him. You ran to obey the leadership of God. When's the last time you did that? Philip ran to obey God. I just want to encourage you. What is God leading you to do today? How many people in this room and watching? You are lost. You're dead in your sins. You are not going to spend eternity in heaven if you died today. But the good news of the gospel, Jesus Christ, his life, death, burial, resurrection. You can be saved today. Your eternity can change. But you need to run to Jesus today. How many people need to be baptized as believers? You have delayed and delayed and delayed. Run to Jesus and obey him. How many people have been putting off church affiliation and membership and connecting with God's people, the body of Christ? You need to run to him today and obey the leadership of God. And how many people today, you need to run to God because he's given you a brokenness, a burden for someone in your life who needs a relationship with Jesus and you don't need to push that aside. You need to run to him and obey him and say, Jesus, I trust you. I obey you. I want to share Jesus with this person. Who is that in your life? There are times you're going to run to him. And now we're serving in this ministry and it was a tough ministry. It was hard. We're facing difficult days and and a very popular southern gospel group called my assistant one day and, 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 and she touched me and she said, this guy, and she called him by his name, this group is on the phone, wants to talk to you. And he was aware of the church that we were pastoring in the situation. And, and he came and I got on the phone. Sure enough, it was him. And he said, I appreciate you pastoring that church. We're familiar with the story. We know all that happened in that church. And we're on this cruise coming up in the Caribbean with Dr. Charles Stanley. And we're going to be leading the music on there. And we would like to give you and your wife an invitation. And I said, what is the invitation? He said, if you can get to Jacksonville, Florida, we would like for you all to go on this cruise with us. We'll take care of all of your expenses. Won't cost you anything. Would you pray about going? I said, give me just a moment to pray. Yes, God wants us to go. We're, We're ready. We ran to obey the leadership of God. There are times you're going to run to him. And I could give you story after story after story, literally around the world, from Amsterdam to Exhaw, Canada, to so many other places where it was clear the Holy Spirit was working and moving, and we just simply ran to obey the leadership of God. Your lives matter to him. Your obedience matters to him. Number three, our message matters to God. What is our message as you look at this text in Acts chapter 8? How many of us talk more about ourselves than we talk about Jesus? How many of us talk about the political climate than we talk about the gospel? How many of us are more comfortable talking about the weather or restaurants or where the sales are than we are talking about his death, burial, resurrection, and that he's coming again? Somewhere we have to reverse that because in this text we find Philip... He's invited to come up to the chariot. He's reading what is known as Isaiah 53, one of the most evangelistic messianic passages in the, New- in the Old Testament. He's reading that about the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's he talking about, himself or someone else? And the scripture says here, Then Philip opened his mouth. Folks, somewhere you've got to open your mouth. He opened his mouth, and what did he do? He opened his mouth, and he told them the good news about Jesus. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. You just start with the word of God and you share the person of Christ. Number one, conversations. Somewhere in life as you're going to have gospel conversations. You need to have conversations with people. You may start talking about school. You may talk about work, talking about the weather, Talking about some place to eat, some place you bought something. But somewhere you have conversations, you transition that conversation into Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Somewhere you have to open your mouth. I know some people say, well, I'm, living a, I'm trying to live a good Christian life before people. Hopefully they'll see my good deeds and then they'll understand who Jesus is. I understand about living the Christian life. You want to be faithful to Christ and the way you live, but please understand. Somewhere, though, you have to open your mouth and share Jesus. Share Jesus with people. Conversations. Number two, Scriptures. What did he do in this text? What what did Philip do? He used Isaiah 53. He used the Word of God to share the person of Christ with this Ethiopian eunuch. Dr. Billy Graham, when he was alive, God used him to literally see millions of people around the world come to Christ. Incredible crusades, gospel centered messages, and Spirit-led imitations and literally hundreds and thousands and thousands of people said yes to the Lord Jesus. Do you realize the same Bible that Dr. Billy Graham used to see millions of people come to Christ? You have the same Bible that he used. In the sense where he said the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. You have the same word of God in your life as he had. And if he could use the Bible to see that, you can use God's word to see that. Have conversations with people. Use God's word in those conversations. And what are you doing? Let me give you these. One, God's love. You can have a conversation with people about the love of God. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We quoted that verse to that young lady on Friday morning a little after 7 a.m. Talk about the love of God. Number two, we've sinned. We sinned what? All of us have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Romans 3, verse 23. Number three, sin's consequences. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. in Christ Jesus, our Lord, Romans 6:23. Jesus' sacrifice. What do we say in Romans chapter 5, verse 8? But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. That's the sacrifice of Christ. Next, God's promise. What do we see in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10? That if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then we shall be saved. That's the promise of God. And then our surrender, Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just surrender your life to him. And that's where we're having conversations and we're sharing scripture. Here's who Jesus is. Here's how he's changed my life. Here's how he'll change your life. And then third, Jesus. There's something about his name. Jesus. What did he do? He took that passage, Isaiah 53, Messianic text in the Old Testament, and he used that and he did what? He talked to him about Jesus. And what do you talk about, Jesus? Well, you talk about his virgin birth. Uh, You talk about his sacrificial death. You talk about his glorious resurrection. You talk about his ascension. You talk about that he's coming again. You talk about his call on your life to share Christ and, and for salvation. That's what you talk about. Coach Bobby Bowden, you hear me share many stories about Coach Bowden. I preached his funeral just a little over a year ago. Just a few days past a year. And we were having dinner with him and his wife one night. And Coach Bowden had been invited to go to South Florida. And to be a part of Burt Reynolds' birthday party. They were giving Burt Reynolds a birthday party. And they invited Coach Bowden. Him and Burt were really good friends. And they invited him to come down to the birthday party. Now if you go to Burt Reynolds' birthday party. What in the world do you do? So him and Bert are sitting in the house and Coach Bowden says, we ended up sitting in the living room and we're, we were seated on Bert's couch and they were having a conversation together. And Coach Bowden said, the Holy Spirit led me to have a gospel conversation with Bert Reynolds at his birthday party, sitting on his couch. And Coach Bowden shared Jesus with Burt Reynolds. And here's the glorious thing. At his birthday party on his couch, Coach Bowden said, Bert Reynolds turned from his sin and gave his life to Jesus. And Coach Bowden said at dinner that night he was saved. Bert Reynolds, come to Christ. Coach Bowden shared the gospel with him. If Coach Bowden can share Christ with Bert Reynolds, who can you share Christ with? Whom can I share Christ with? And again, Coach Bowden just said the same message to Burt Reynolds that you and I would have to anyone. Jesus, he's the son of God, he's the savior of the world. He gave his life on a cross, buried in a tomb, raised on the third day, ascended back to the Father. One day is coming again, but he's calling you right now to give your heart and life to him. He's calling you to obey him. He's calling you to give him everything. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. That same grace is still changing lives today. And I just want to encourage you, who is your one? Who's one person, family member, friend, co-worker, classmate, neighbor, someone you know in this city, that you need to come to this altar or just make a place today and say, Lord, I long for this person to come to you. And Lord, I want you to use me to share Jesus with this person. So how are you going to lead me to do so? If you need to give your life to Christ, please come. You need to be baptized, please obey. You need to join the fellowship of this church, make that decision today. But I would just encourage you when we sing here in just a moment, don't procrastinate, don't delay, don't drag your feet. Run to obey Jesus' leadership. Run to obey him. And see him change your life and see him change the lives of other people. Let's pray together. My Lord Jesus, in the room, from screens literally around the world, I pray right now for your amazing grace to change the hearts and lives of people. Lord, we would love to see and hear stories of people saying yes to Jesus for the first time. We'd love to see and hear people who are saying yes to being biblically baptized. Because those people are saved. We'd love to see and hear people who want to join the fellowship of the local church. Because the church matters. And then, Lord, we would love to see and hear people with brokenness to say, I've got a family member, a friend, a co-worker, classmate, someone I know in my neighborhood, someone I know in the city, outside of a relationship with Jesus. And I'm just asking him to use me to reach that person. And I want to share Jesus with whoever that may be. Father, may we talk about Jesus and his amazing grace. So, Father, we trust you in this invitation. We're inviting people to come to you. Thank you for inviting us and changing us and letting us leave here a totally different person than when we came in. We give you praise. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.